tacos and weather. What's the common connection? Hmm. Welcome to What Is It About the Weather podcast, where we explore the many ways that weather intertwines itself into our lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelonic, and this week we're going to be talking about that common connection. Now, you may have had a different one in mind. Mine specifically is going to be about drones, and we'll get there. As always, I hope you're having some good weather. I woke up to, I guess, my perfect alarm clock sound this morning, a thunderstorm. So I was pleased with that. But my week ahead, well, I don't think it's going to be so lucky. I've got some more, a few more thunderstorms coming in, but then I'm going to be in heat wave mania like many of us are around the globe. It's, it's a toaster out there. I saw reports that the UK may record its highest, and I'm assuming this is just any location in the UK. I didn't get into the specifics, their highest recorded temperature ever this coming week. And they're far alone. You know, in, in the U.S., we've had numerous ones this year, and it's you know, there's no doubt it's it's been a it's been a hot one. And I know that even within my listening audience, I would say the vast majority of my listening audience, um, climate is probably a real issue, and you probably have feelings about you know how you feel about it and what we should be doing about it. And that's all good. And I would also say that in the grand scheme of things, I don't really consider myself a climatologist. I when I get involved in climate timescale stuff, I tend to be involved more on the data side and pulling together the data sets, and I count on other people. Because, you know, usually when I'm working on reports or stuff, it's a team-based effort. And I count on other people to look at the scientific components, both the natural elements, which they're real, and, and you can't just throw those out the window, as well as the man-made component. And, yes, people have asked me before, do I believe that man is impacting the, the, the planet? Sure. I do believe that, but I also think it's very prudent to understand what we do and don't know and how our decision processes work. So hopefully we'll continue to get smarter about that. Hopefully we'll make good decisions as a populace. I know we tend in this politically charged era to not always do that. We're not always thinking that the challenge with climate, and I, I think this is what people lose sight of sometimes, is there are certain things where you've got to think ahead a long period of time. And in the world we live in now, if politics are swaying as much as they seem to be from administration to administration and from country to country, sometimes it can be hard to drive a consensus that's logical and helpful, right? And I'm just hopeful that we all get there. And again, how much of, of this year is, is natural versus man-made? It's not always an answer that's easy. You know, you'll hear a news story and you think it's easy to answer, but it's not always as simple as what you see on the surface. But no matter how you look at it, no matter how you slice it, it is a toaster out there. And all of you that are listening and those that you care about, remember to check on them. We're, you know, technically in what would usually be the hottest month of the year anyways, as we talked about earlier in the year. You know, there's some areas like in, you know, that have monsoon that kind of cool it off in areas like India and Pakistan and other areas that, that have the benefits of those rains, although I'm still not sure hot and humid is all that much more enjoyable. But it's been hot throughout the year, and I'm sure that this year is going to go down as probably one of the hottest on record, if not the hottest on record sort of thing. So in the meantime, the logical course of action in the short term for all of us is if you're going out, stay hydrated, try to avoid the heat of the day. Do your best to stay cool. Don't forget sunscreen if you do have to be out and about or if you're going to be out and about anyway. So, I mean, you know, there's still plenty of things we can do 
that allow us to be outside and enjoy being outside even when it is hot. So take precautions, enjoy where you can, and be cautious where you need to be. All right. I wish I was getting more thunderstorms. You know, I get back to that. I I really, I think an alarm clock with lightning. No, I'd probably sleep right through that. Any case. One other thing I wanted to add that's more of an administrative thing before we get on to the topic of drones is I occasionally get emails about, you know, I I was trying to listen to this episode and I had a challenge or that. I don't get a lot of them. I guess I'm hopeful that means that I do most of the stuff right. I saw again not too long ago that the Apple feed missed an episode and, you know, some people are going to go, well, maybe he just didn't record this week. And that that's fine. You know, you can put that down in the in the <laughs> process of how you're going to deal with it. And so for some people, it just doesn't matter. And I get that. But don't ever feel like you can't send me a message. We often find that, I think we all do, that, you know, problems we're having can easily be solved with a reboot or, you know, restarting a device and everything seems to work out. And that's the reality of technology, quite frankly, is it's it's neither the producer's problem nor, quite frankly, you know, some people would call that on the user's end. I don't because just because it's it's on my device or, or you know, in my home, that doesn't necessarily make it, yes, it's going to be classified as being in my realm of being in charge of those things, but the problem can be so many different things. It could be operating systems, you know, the hardware itself, whatever. But if you if you see a missing episode or if you run into a challenge playing back something or anything, don't ever hesitate to send me an email. Yeah, I'm glad to look into those things. Like I said, I don't get a lot of them, and so when they do pop up, you know, it, it's also a good time for me to check things. Like I said, that Apple one that was missing, because of the previous time it went missing, I kind of knew exactly what to look for and was able to track it down almost immediately and fix it. And most weeks I check all those things in the process, but because the check process takes time as well, some weeks I just assume that if one thing's looking okay, that the other five that I might sometimes look at are okay, and every now and then they're not, right? So, again, let me know. What is about the weather at gmail.com? You can also hit me up on Twitter, Mark underscore Jelinek, or what is it about the weather on Twitter as well. Those are the, the two probably easiest groupings to get hold of me. And, of course, I'd much rather hear about your weather stories than about your any problems you might be having getting to the podcast. But I'm also always glad to fix any problems that do arise. So, again, just don't hesitate. All right, let's talk about this thing that, to me can be this delicate balance of cool versus annoying, okay? And that's drones. And when I talk about drones in that context, and I think what we all do, we talk probably more about what I would consider the modern drones, which are these four propeller-bladed devices that go up in the sky and do all sorts of things, okay? And I do have one. Someone bought one for me. I've actually gotten two as gifts. The first one I got was what I would call more of a toy. And it took so much effort to try to control it and keep it in the air that I didn't get a chance to use it much because it was just hard to do. It, it, it required the operator to be exceptionally skilled. And again, it was a low-cost thing. It was, it was fun. It was, a, it was a neat introduction to the process. More recently, in the last couple of years, I've gotten one that is made by one of the big manufacturers that you really get a focus on what is it that you're trying to capture with the drone, right? It's, it's not so much about the flying. It's about the sending this thing up with a camera. 
and getting pictures and videos of different settings. And I will tell you, I enjoy it tremendously. Now, what's happened in the course of, let's say, the last 10 years is regulations for where and when you can fly drones have gone from virtually non-existent to almost nowhere can you legitimately do it. I mean, I live in a state where it's against the law to do it in any state lands at all, right? And, and this doesn't just mean state parks. This means, you know, forest, any sort of land that, that is not kind of privately owned. And the states around me, it's more or less the same thing. Not not specifically. Now, that varies a lot here in the U.S., and I don't know what all the regulations are around the globe, but, you know, in less populous areas, it, it just, it seems to me that, that that's an overkill. And even in some of the areas I'm in now, that I go to, there's a state park near me. It's called Liberty State Park. And a lot of people go there. It's got a you know view of the Statue of Liberty, great views of, of New York City and the downtown area. So you can do great photos and all those sort of things. And quite frankly, one of the things I find most annoying is when I go there and there's these areas that set up great for sunset shots or whatever. And there's all these photographers that are just as much in the way as somebody who might fly a, a drone. But there's these areas, it, kind of grassy areas, where that's, some of it's very used. Some of it's dense, kind of where people have picnics and parties and stuff. And others are a little more open. And every so often I see people flying drones there, and it is technically illegal. Do I care? No. I I mean, this is somebody who's just trying to understand how a drone works and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I also understand that if there were 30 people all flying drones right there, that it would be problematic. So I understand this delicate balance of this really cool device which I think has a lot of potential, and that's what we're going to get to, versus the annoying factor that if you had all these people, and even you know when it's just one person, you hear the buzz, and it can be annoying. I, under, I get that. I get those things. But I also live in an area where my, the area standards, a little bit of buzz is nothing compared to the traffic and the other noises that I hear on a regular basis. So I live in an area that you're kind of expected to be able to tolerate those things, but I know that's not the case everywhere if you live in a little small town. But if you live in a little small town, there's probably a lot fewer people with drones, and they're not buzzing them over your head anyway. So, you know, again, it's all these trade-offs. But what I think is really interesting about the idea of drones, and, and we need to expand what a drone really is to be something much bigger than these little devices. Because... What we're really talking about is UAVs, or unmanned autonomous vehicles. And this can be something that flies. It can be something in the ocean that that drifts around, okay? That there might be some steering capability with it. There, It's something that could be driven. We've talked about the cars, but to some, in some regard, those things are all technically fall in that drone category. Now, We're going to focus more on the flying today and actually a little bit on the floating component today. But all those things kind of come together in this group of stuff that are allowing us to do things or consider things that as humanity have never done in the past. And and I'll tell you why I think there's, for all the challenges that may come with it, there's real potential here because these things in theory, if they're all properly talking to each other, which is one of the challenges, is there's finally new regulations that are going to require these things to at least have some sort of radio beacon. So they are saying, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. And that's that's a newer regulation that the FAA here in the U.S. has come out with. And I do think that's important. 
as I will tell you, every time I see a uh, fireworks display, I see drones up there all the time. Now, some of those are authorized because they're supposed to be there. They're doing some filming and whatnot, but that's at night. And if you don't know what you're doing, it's crazy. And so like the one I fly, you know, I'm limited, uh, you know, regulations say, I think it's like a, about, I forget, I think it's like 400 feet. It's a hundred and some odd meters. The benefit I have is my device tells me this is all I'm allowed to do. And mine is set to not disobey those things. And you have little maps that show you the areas that you're allowed to fly in and not. And sometimes they're not as up to date as they should be. But we've gotten to a point with the, where the technology is where we ought to be able to figure out ways. These things ought to be more efficient. And yes, I laugh every time I see a story about drone delivery of of tacos from Taco Bell or whoever it is going to be dropped off at people's houses. But if you think about it, if you think about a UPS truck driving around all these different places, is it the most efficient way to get there? And maybe for big items, it still is. But, you know, I've seen it with delivering medicines to people that are in remote places and those sort of things. And quite frankly, even in cities or, you know, in more populous areas, if it's done right, you ought to be able to do those things for anything that's needed in an emergency. And, and again, we're talking small things, but if... You know, medicine is, is somebody's run out or somebody's got an emergency need and they need to stay home with a loved one. As that person is sick, if a drone could come and drop off in their, you know, at their front door, that medicine, it would be a good thing, right? So real potential. So there, again, there's this balance of cool versus annoying. But with weather, what's the real play? Now, there have been articles that I've been watching over about the past 10 years, and the first one that caught my eye was the, a bigger drone, and, and I would talk the drones you see sometimes in movies that look more like planes, right, that were being used to fly into hurricanes. And for those that don't know, here in, in the U.S. and the North Atlantic Basin, as we, we call it here, there's something still called hurricane hunters that fly actively into these storms, and it's important because we get information there that you just still can't get with the level of precision from a satellite or other things because they have an ability to a fly through and visually see it but two drop devices that are the same things that weather balloons will take up in the opposite direction not exactly the same but similar that give us direct measured information in a real-time environment and satellites more and more can do that. You've heard me talk about the wonders of CubeSats and all those things, but they're still taking an estimate. And sometimes there is a need for a level of precision. And sometimes there's not, right? But one of the challenges in, in when we think about weather is our understanding of two things that we don't always understand well. One is the, the ocean piece because it's so vast and open and there are drones that can float around so we have buoys right you, you see you if i don't know I, I should post a link to the maps i'm not sure i'm going to do it of two things one is the weather balloon map and the other is oceanic buoys that are around the globe but they're set to stay in place and they gather information that's right there but with these drifting floating drones as well as anything that can go up in the air we start painting this vertical picture and and it's not important just in the atmosphere it is also important in the ocean so the more data that we can get up and down the better we can increase our understanding and forecast both in the short term and in the long term things that are going to happen okay 
And in particular, if you ever look at a weather balloon map, you may look at the U.S. and say, okay, it's, it's well covered. And then you look at Africa as a continent, and it's got very few locations that have weather balloons consistently, right? And actually, in some place around the globe, even once, you know, Russia's been well known as actually a, a pretty good source of weather data for a long time, but it's this huge space. And how do you effectively cover it where there aren't people? And that is really where the potential for drones is taking place. But we've got other things that have come up. There's a shortage of helium, which is used to drive these balloons, right? So there are countries like India that are looking at deploying drones that can attach the same device to it that that a weather balloon would have and go up and capture that data. Now, there are going to be challenges. Drones don't generally go as high or aren't built to go as high as weather balloons ultimately go. But there are going to be changes in technologies that allow us to do that. So this combination, like I said, of more satellites and more drones giving us more data is going to help paint a more systematic, properly dispersed, because weather balloons tend to go at airports and those aren't always at the, or, or wherever the weather office is, and those aren't always at locations that make sense to getting a grid, if you will, because sometimes having that grid of information or if there's specific geographic features that having coverage. Can you imagine if a drone was able to take off from the top of every mountain that's relevant, even the ones, you know, and if maybe there was a home base, right, and it flew five miles away and then went up the taller mountain and had a good vertical view of the weather behavior above that mountain, it could paint much better pictures than what we have today, okay? So there's a real opportunity to gather information. I would tell you right now the primary way the drones are being used with the current regulations is actually surveying damage, whether it's tornadoes or hailstorms, that sort of thing, getting that bird's eye view. And again, could you fly a plane over? Yeah, but it's really costly. Imagine hiring a pilot, getting a plane, making the set, and, and they may, you know, how many passes are they going to have to do where a drone could get up you know, a couple hundred feet and just fly and create kind of a grid map of everything they saw and do it relatively quickly and relatively inexpensively. And that kind of stuff is being done, right? The expense on these things, yes, it's real. But if you start looking at the fact that a drone can be used in again and again and again, and as an example, weather balloon, you, you pretty much get a one-time use. I'm not going to say that exclusively. I know here in the U.S. they have little things that if you find this to return it sort of thing. But keep in mind that as a weather balloon goes up, it's blown by the wind. So it's not like it comes back down right where it went up sort of thing. Whereas with a drone, you'd have more control over that. Again, to some extent. And I'm not saying that we have to necessarily eliminate this other piece. Maybe coexistence, whereas drones make a, a better grid and weather balloons still go higher up in the atmosphere and get us other information. Or we have, like the going into hurricanes, we have the ones that can paint a more complete picture that, that fly. We have the ability to send drones up now that can stay aloft for a very, like gliders, can stay aloft for a very long time. Or, in theory, just be these big weather balloons that go around the globe. But if any store, sort of steering capability to get them back on track or allow them to stay in a certain mix would make them that much more valuable. And with things like solar charging and that kind of stuff, should be easier and easier to do. So hopefully we get to a point where we don't have to fly people through hurricanes to get the same data. Wouldn't it be great if we could get the same data and even data closer to the surface of the ocean? That's one of the challenges now is when the planes fly through the hurricane, they don't want to be too low because people have lost their lives. There's no reason for that, yet we want to protect the lives of people 
that are going to be impacted by these storms, right? So you've got all these trade-offs. All the time we're evaluating these trade-offs. But for drone use, particularly in the air, and I'm guessing if we deploy more and more in the ocean, there's going to have to be some guidelines about how these things operate and how these things fly that are effective and don't overly disrupt, that work in coexistence with flight patterns and everything else. I know we, every, I keep hearing stories of friends that have lost days on their vacation this year because of all the challenges we already have with flight stuff going on. But there's a real opportunity here, right? And I think what's important as we evolve as societies is we constantly look at these technologies and go, yes, there's this negative thing, but what are the 10 positive things that come out of it? And put it within context. And we should do that with with everything we do in life, right? Because there's no such thing as a getting one thing, well, I shouldn't say no such thing, very seldom, getting something that's good without there being some sort of consequence. Right, and we got to weigh those things all the time. But I do think there's a real neat opportunity. I'm going to put a few links in the show notes that talk about and show how drones have come along in terms of their use and weather. Like I said, I see more and more stories in the last, let's say, ten years about how these different autonomous devices are helping improve our understanding. And there was a case with one of these floating drones that a hurricane more or less went right over. It's first time we ever had one of those. That these sort of things are are. Very important to improving, as I even alluded to in the beginning, our understanding. Because the more we understand about the ocean-atmosphere connection and how our weather works, because the globe is this huge place. And just imagine if ships, as they were going across the ocean, could launch, have these drone launches every day. Really, you equip the ship with 60 drones or something, and you pay to have the one guy on there, but all of a sudden they're creating these vertical profiles in places that very few people go, right? It gives us a much better understanding and an opportunity to improve the safety and our knowledge. And, you know, hopefully these devices continue to be something that people can use and enjoy for fun too because there's got to be a market. That's the, I saw one of these drone companies that went out of business because there just wasn't an opportunity. But hopefully we find the right balance there. In any case, the, the next time you hear a drone in the sky, hopefully, well, maybe it'll be delivering your tacos. Just remember, there's much more weather than the weather itself.